0: This podcast is brought to you by Oh My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours. This is Love Notes with Julie and Jonathan.
1: Hi, I'm Julie.
0: And I'm Jonathan, and you are listening to Love Notes, where we talk to your favorite romance authors, about stuff that you want to hear about. I don't. I don't know if you do, but we assume you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen. Although, if this is we're your first time it, listening, we're
1: giving it a good try, right?
0: We are giving it a good try. And if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. That's a really rousing way to bring you into our world. To be like, <laughs> eh, you may give a shit. You may not. Um, <laughs> you're all. You're all privy to something right now. This what I'm about to say is totally true. And super rare. This conversation, the one that you're hearing, is the first time Julie and I have actually talked in about a week. And I don't remember in the last two years, almost, when we've gone like a week without talking.
1: Yeah, this feels like, it feels like we broke up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) I'm like, where's Jonathan?
0: I know. I felt that way over the weekend, especially. I, I, well... So I, I, well, I've been, I've been, I've been filming something. So like, I'm, I'm sick. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it. I have a little bit of a cold. I'm exhausted. And, um, and just this week they began renovations on the master bath, which was like a wonderfully necessary thing to commence, but like a terrible time to start it, you know? Uh, and so I just feel, I just feel buried. And, uh, yeah. and suddenly seven days went by and I, I wasn't even... What have you been doing? I assume you've just been writing your face off.
1: Yeah. I've been writing my face off. I think I wrote in the last week um, about 45,000 words, I think. It's crazy. Okay. Readers... No, probably more than that. No, I think I wrote 60,000 words in the last week.
0: Um, I, I mean, here, here's the deal. Readers before I really started doing this with Julie, I didn't understand word count, right? Writing uh, television or whatever, it's page count. So I wasn't really thinking about words. So I didn't understand. And I re- remember asking my author friends over the years, like, oh, how long, how many pages is your book? And I didn't understand that that's not a question you can answer because-
1: Yeah, not really. Because,
0: right, because pages, uh, it owes to formatting and pagination and you know all kinds of stuff. So word count is really the thing. So here's what- people need to understand if they don't get that 60,000, like 50,000 words is a full length novel. So, you know, it's a short novel, but it's still, that's a novel. So for Julie to say that she wrote 60,000 words in a week means that she almost wrote a novel and a half in a week. That's fucking insane. How are you feeling?
1: I've been doing, I've been doing 10,000 word days um, pretty consistently I'm I'm pretty tired right now because we're recording this kind at nighttime, which we don't usually do
0: Um, because I'm having. Yeah. But because I'm doing this from my house and I had to wait for the work to stop in the the bathroom. We had to do it at night.
1: Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, I don't know. It's really weird. The words, the stories are just because I'm writing shorter books right now. Um, So I don't know if that's making a difference. Strange. Now,
0: have you. So this is all part of sort of this thing that you've kind of been teasing. Uh, is, uh, have you made like a formal announcement about this thing that you're working on right now?
1: No, not really. I think I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. So maybe yeah. the next one, maybe the next yeah, one. Yeah.
0: yeah. Tune into the next one because you'll, you'll hear some exciting stuff possibly. Um, and you're happy with, with the words you're, you're cranking out.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I, I remember Julie sent me the opening pages to something once and the email said, it's not a lot, only like a thousand words, but they're all good ones. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember I, that's like one of my favorite things you've ever said. I just, cause I well, read them, that. I was, was like, for yeah, the triangle, right? Yeah. That was for the first book in the shape of love series. And, uh, I remember reading that and going, they are good words. And I just loved, I just loved how, I just thought it was really sweet. It's like, they're not a lot, but they're all really good. So I hope you like them. Um, so, uh, so welcome to another episode of love notes. Um, let us jump right in, uh, with some questions and thank you all for bringing questions to us. Um, if you have not been to the website yet, uh, lovenotespodcast.com, uh, please feel free to go and ask a question there. Uh, we will uh, be happy to answer it on the show. Um, this is a, a question from Sharon. Um, that is, it's kind of a long question. Like it's, it's a really beautifully phrased question, but uh, I'll jump right to the the punchline, which is, she says that the EOBS is one of her favorite parts of the books for, for anyone who might not know EOBS is what Julie calls her author's note at the end of the books. It is, it stands for, as an acronym for end of book shit. And, um, and when I started writing with her, she invited me to contribute my own end of book shit, which is. For someone who basically just wants to write essays for the New Yorker is like a fucking dream come true.
1: <laughs> That's what they are, right? Yeah.
0: Right. Because it's just me like w- sort of like philosophizing about whatever happens to be on my mind at the time. And for you too, it's just like it, they may or may not relate to the story. Some, sometimes you just write whatever's going on in your world, I feel like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: And and to that point, Sharon goes on to say uh, the EOBS reveals so much of you as individuals and as writers. Do you ever feel like you said too much or wish you had worded the things you said in a different way?
1: I would say like almost every time I think I probably shouldn't have wrote that. I I remember writing them in the beginning when I did the social media series as novellas. And I remember the first EOBS for the first book. I was like, look, bitches, I don't want to hear your complaints about how long this book is. Okay. It's a novella. If you don't like the short books, then don't read it. (laughs)
0: So it's like all of your anxiety in anticipation (laughs) and you just purged it out onto the fucking page.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I said in that book. And people were just like, that's awesome. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But um, I don't think you get that book anymore. So I don't know if anybody can read it.
0: You should just publish that as its own thing. People tell me that all the time.
1: Yeah, Yeah. they're like, you should just put all your end of book shits together and um, put it in a book.
0: That would... I mean, that would be amazing. That would be like a collector's edition thing. You should consider doing that. That's kind of a great <laughs> <Kind> idea. <would. laughs> it's kind of a great idea. I mean, I, 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 the, my answer is no. I don't regret anything, partially because I think through shit a lot, but also partially because, uh, something about Julie that I love and that I love knowing her about that comes from knowing her and that I love about re- working with her is that she's incapable of telling a lie. Um <laughs> you are, right? Like you you you're just sort of genetically honest. At least in terms don't of offering... I think it's
1: very endearing though. I don't think many people appreciate that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but but and this is the thing that yeah, you're right. No, but Nobody likes you. But that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> I'm kidding. Everybody loves Julie. But the point is everybody who loves Julie loves Julie. And you've talked about this a lot, right? It's about finding your audience uh, as an artist and as a writer. And now that you found your audience, you owe it to your audience to be authentic with them. I think that's what an audience responds to in a writer. And if they don't, if they like somebody who's full of shit, then they want a different writer. They don't want you, right? Yeah, I think, that's true. I think and so so I feel like I I don't know that that's something that I've gotten uh, pretty comfortable with is just sort of owning my truth. So I, I look forward to it. I, I do you do you look forward to writing them? I really enjoy it, or do you feel like oh fuck, I forgot and I got to do it at the last minute?
1: Some of them, you know, I look forward to more than others because um, I have a lot to say. But some of them I don't really have a lot to say. Like, I just wrote the one for um, Into Her because that's releasing tomorrow. And, um, well, tomorrow as we're recording. And I was like, I don't know if I have anything to say. But it turns out I did. So I, I told kind of a um, cute story of where this idea came from. And um, I, it's not a long one. But I was like, yeah, that was fun times.
0: So yeah. it was nice.
1: Yeah. But some of them are more epic than others. Um like three, two, one was just epic because that that's one of them where I was like, I kind of wish I didn't say that because I'm like, okay, here's where this story came from. I was surfing porn one night
2: uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have told the world that.
0: <laughs> Fuck it. They know. They know. But uh, the, uh, you, but the thing that the the high integrity thing that I really appreciate is that once you've committed to it, you don't go back and retract it. Like, you're like, well, nope, that's what I said. I must have meant to say it. I'm going to let it go out there. Yeah, It's pretty ballsy. Um, So that's the answer. Thank you, Sharon, for asking the question. And now it is time for us to give uh, a shout out, a big thank you to our sponsor, our producer uh, of this podcast, Oh My Audiobooks. Uh, Oh, My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours, coming soon from Oh, My Audiobooks. If you dig strangers whispering dirty things in your ears, then listen closely, my friends. Not because I'm going to whisper dirty things in your ears, but because the sequel to Pam Godwin's dark HEA series, Deliver, is hot off the audio press. Technically, they're not pressed, but because they're not CDs, but you get what I'm saying. The point is, it's called Vanquish. And it is an erotic thriller about Amber, an agoraphobic whose life is a self-made prison and van, a man whose dark deeds deserve the tight quarters of a cell. You bad motherfucker, Van. It's a dark, dirty, and depraved romance featuring the narration talents of Joe Raylan and Ryan West and published by Oh My Audiobooks. So sign up today on Audible if you're not already a member to get your free 30-day trial. Vanquish is available for pre-order on Audible now. Um, you know, what's really, uh, convenient about that book, Julie? What? Is that, is that Pam Godwin's who we're talking to today? Yes. (laughs) That works out. That works out perfectly. (laughs) Um, and before we jump into that conversation, uh, we, let's, let's take another question. Um, I like this one. This one's from Alice. Have you ever started thinking up a story and decided it was too complicated or it didn't really go in the direction you wanted And then you just scrapped it. Yes. You've done that a few times.
1: Yeah. I've done that a lot in the last, uh, like last summer. I did it all the time. I don't know what was wrong with me, but um, I scrapped a lot of them. And I, I scrapped the first three drafts. They weren't long, but first three drafts of Into Her, I did.
0: The book you're working, the book that's coming out, uh, the book that came out this week. Yep. Yeah. 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 I remember that.
1: Because I, it was too complicated And I really liked um, the story that I had, but it was way too complicated, so I just simplified it. And probably people think it's still complicated, but just imagine.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would, at the end of the day, I think you've probably restarted something more often than you've just let something go entirely, right?
1: Yeah, I never finished a book, that's for sure, and then not published it, never.
0: Right, 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 right. Well, you said something to me recently, which I think is spot on, which is like sometimes a book will, basically what you said is sometimes a book will reveal itself to you through the process and then you'll look back at it and go, oh shit, that's what that book was about.
1: <laughs> yeah. We were talking about theme, right? Yeah.
0: About, about themes. Yeah. Like, I
1: think I get a theme at the end of every one, <laughs> hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely write with a theme in mind and sometimes we do too, But, but, but occasionally like because of the way that your brain works. The story just tells itself to you. I don't know. I I can, I've said this so many times that it sounds like a broken record, but I'm just so impressed, continue to be impressed by the way that your talent manifests itself. Like the fact that your ideas just spill out so organically. Um, And that I think is going to result in occasionally some shit that's just not going to work because your mind is like taking you on a trip that, that the story doesn't want to go on or vice versa. Sometimes I feel like.
1: I think I can spot it pretty easily, um, these days because I'll know if I, if I can't keep going, um, like that's how, like, that's how you get 10,000 words in a day. Right. Like, you know what you're doing and you know where you're going. And so if you can't keep writing, it's because you did something wrong or it's usually not because I don't have ideas. It's because my ideas don't fit, you know?
0: I remember you and I were working, I don't remember which book it was, but you were working on something and you were sick and you owed words and you like a champ got up and worked through being sick and you sent it to me and you were like, you were like, I remember the email said something like, Jesus Christ, this is the chapter that just won't fucking end. I've written like 4,500 words and I'm still going in circles and I feel like I'm in a corner and please just take it and fucking do something with it. And, yeah, uh, and, and that's a shitty feeling that's a shitty feeling that was, that's where uh,
1: I think that was maybe Angel's fall or it was one of the sin with me books
0: one of the original one of the first books we worked on together yeah yeah and I, I mean that is the one great thing about having a partner that I relish uh is if I ever get stuck I can just toss the ball to you and you can go like here's where we can go with it and that's always helpful
1: yeah when we discuss the ending we always come up with something better
0: a 100 percent. A hundred percent. I mean, like it's it's that's one thing that we don't have to worry about. Usually in terms of our joint ventures is running into a wall because one of us will find a way around it, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um. And on that note, let us introduce to you now, if you do not already know her, Ms. Pam Godwin. Uh, Pam is an author that uh, we spoke to. Uh, we I first encountered Pam because I was hired to narrate a couple of her books, uh a book called uh, Dark Notes and a book called uh Knotted. Um that's K N O T T E D. And um and I remember I called you and I was like I'm narrating this woman Pam God she's a really she's really good writer and she's really interesting and it's really dark and really taboo. And so that's a lot of what we talked to Pam about in this conversation is, uh, how she comes up with her ideas and, you know, how far is too far and that kind of thing. Um, and, um, and like all of the conversations, you know, she said a bunch of stuff that I thought was illuminating and some stuff that I think sounded pretty familiar. And it's, it's interesting as these conversations go on to see where the themes, um, stay the same and where they diverge, you know, cause everyone, I feel like there's a through line with everyone we're talking to that we share, that we all come from kind of similar interests when we sit down to write. Even if like the the drive is different, the, uh, the hope is always the same, you know, that yes, people are going to sure. find them and like them. So um, if you're familiar with Pam, uh, enjoy. If you're not familiar with Pam, she's a delight. Take a listen and uh, we will see you on the other side. All right, joining us today is Pam Godwin. Uh, Pam is the author uh, of a number of books uh, that are very popular, uh, Trails of Sin series, which is a dark cowboy romance, um, just launched in May of 2018. um, And a standalone uh, that she wrote called Dark Notes, an interesting tale uh, set in New Orleans uh, of a sort of a forbidden teacher-student love relationship. and we'll let Pam talk more about all of this now. Hi, Pam.
2: Hi, Pam. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, so I write a lot of dark romance, forbidden, taboo books. Um, I have 17 books out now. Um, a lot of anti-hero type uh, plots where I take anti-heroes and redeem them. So my dark cowboys aren't your typical cowboys. They are um, murderers and illegal uh, bad guys, and they they do things for good reasons. Um, they find their happily ever afters at the end. I always try to redeem them. Um, I have a lot of anti heroes that don't feel like they could really be redeemed. They're that bad. Um, but I do my best to redeem them towards the end. I really, really like a good villain. So that's my stick. Yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that, too. Yeah, that's kind of
1: what I write.
0: I was going to say, one of the reasons we were excited to talk with you, Pam, is because you and Julie, we feel like Have that in common, Um, and so backing up for just a second, like uh, we want to ask this of everybody that we chat with. Can you talk a little bit about like how you started in this industry? Were you always writing? Were you doing something before? When did you really decide you wanted to make this a career?
2: Um, I've I've always been a voracious reader, and I think that's probably where most authors start out is lots and lots of reading. I started reading um, horror and thrillers at a very young age. And that's really what I stuck through until romance kind of took off, especially with indie publishing. Um, so I was kind of late coming to romance, but I was very um, horror focused and thriller. So cause I really liked those villains. Um, I started writing back in 2008 ish, so about 10 years ago. And the reason i started writing is because i wanted horror and gritty like thriller type books but i wanted that erotic romance element in it and i couldn't really find it in a lot of books especially back then it didn't dark romance didn't really exist back then so i wrote i sat down and started writing my own stories which is horror with you know that that romantic element in it and before i was writing i was in computer science <laughs> i was i worked <laughs> worked for an investment firm. It was in mathematics. I created mathematic models way different than what I do now. I didn't retire until about 2014-ish. So,
0: This is interesting. I, I feel like right now I'm just going to sit back and be quiet for the next little bit because you and Julie have a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we really um, have similar backgrounds. I mean, I came from science, not math, but, um, but that's kind of how it was for me. And I also was never really into the romance genre until I started getting ready to publish my first science fiction book and then I I was looking for blogs, you know, to like promote me and right. I couldn't find any for science fiction. Oh. And I came across this romance world, right? Because Romance Landia is a thing. It's a real thing that almost nobody knows about unless they're part of it, right? Right, right. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like It's a very small world and it's interconnected through bloggers and people on Facebook and authors. And it was just so intriguing that I started a blog, a book blog, and then I started reading romance. And then the following year, I didn't write romance for another year after that. Like, so I was reading it for about a year
2: before I started. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Very similar to mine, to my past also. Yeah. Because you were into the horror. So did you like enjoy
1: Stephen King? Cause that was one of the things I read a lot.
2: Yep. Stephen King. Um, I really liked Anne Rice, her like really sad yeah. vampires in her witches. Yeah, That was me.
1: I have like first editions of those books. I
2: do too. I still have the paperbacks <laughs> that I read from the eighties. Yeah. It was, and it was hard to find like romance with that grittiness, that horror.
1: Yeah, because, you know, thinking back, The Witching Hour is yes. probably a dark romance, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it does have the romance story in it. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. That's, that's where I started. And I wanted, so I wanted more sex because even then The Witching Hour didn't have a whole lot of sex. It had like these tantalizing moments, but it didn't have like a lot of sex in it. I wanted more of that. And it just wasn't available back then. Dark romance wasn't available back then.
1: Yeah, I think Anne Rice might've started the whole dark romance, on, like, by accident.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because she had those eroticas, right? Uh, yes, she wrote under a pen name, uh, lot several pen names, yeah. But I read those too, probably too. Yeah, I read them too. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, oh, that's interesting, <laughs> thinking back like that.
0: So Pam, when you, like, uh, made this decision... Something you just said sort of triggered. Like again, I've been now doing this with Julie writing these books for about a year. And as I said, as I've said a bunch of times, it's been such a an easy path for me because I had someone who'd already sort of traveled the path and achieved all the success to just hold my hand and guide me through. So it was a really it was a really easy transition for me to sort of learn the genre and learn what works and what doesn't work for you when you were saying you responded to certain things, but it didn't have a traditional happily ever after. It didn't have a, the sex in the way that you would have liked to have seen it and so forth. Did you have to experiment a lot to figure out what worked for you as a writer, or did you sort of have an innate understanding of the model that you wanted to follow?
2: Um, no, it's it experiment, and I'm still experimenting. <laughs> um, I, I set out to be a thriller writer, to be a horror writer, to just add sex scenes and romance into the into this genre. So I would, you know, back then, before this was before indie publishing, you had to go through query, you know, you had to query agents to try to get a publisher. So I had that whole path. And all of the response that I kept getting back was, take out the romance, take out the sex. Why do you have this in these thriller books? <laughs> have, stop it. So I, I couldn't get published with these books that I had. And then indie, indie happened and you could publish on your own. And that's, that's where I went off. I was like, screw that. I'm not going to like conform to these boundaries. I'm just going to do my thing off the rails. And I haven't changed since I'm still experimenting, trying to figure out like what works for me as a writer and with my readers. So it's, I, I don't know, I, I hope that I'm always growing and don't become stagnant and settled. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the the history of dark romance, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with this or understand this genre very well because it's um, pretty new. I think, like, Pepper Winners and I came out about the same time, and I think we were the only ones really writing that stuff um, in a major way back then. And, like, I got a lot of pushback, but still the fans are there, you know, it's they not as it. big as, yeah, they do. They the, it's not as big as, as contemporary. They were waiting for I agree.
2: Yeah. Waiting for it, waiting for that, that author or authors to just push that edge to just break it open. Cause no one had done and it. And I like the
1: fact, I like the fact that you said you're, you're, you found it through experimentation. Cause I did as well. Cause my first romance was a 100% new adult book. Uh, called tragic. There was like no darkness in there. But as soon as I got to book two, I was like, man, I, I, I can't write another one of these. Like, I got to take this in a new direction. And that's when everything just spun off the rails. Um, so it was very much the same for me. Like, I don't think dark romance existed before maybe 2013, 2014,
2: not, not, not really. Not, I mean, it, there were p- pockets of it. There were always pockets of, you know, in the, especially in the paranormal and sci-fi space.
1: Yeah. Were people yeah.
2: writing these aliens that were doing these kind of non-consensual things, villainous things, but they were aliens or shapeshifters or whatever. So they, you know, it was more acceptable.
0: I gotta, I gotta ask you, it, just because you just used the word, uh, consensual, um, or, Perhaps use non consensual, but the idea of that, well, uh, quickly, in case people don't know, Julie and I came to be writing partners uh, through a very long story that we'll tell another time. But the short version is Julie met me because I was narrating some audiobooks and I narrated some of hers. Pam, you and I, our previous contact is only from afar in that I have narrated two of your audiobooks. Right. Um, right. And so I, I understand what you're what you're writing and I and obviously I understand what Julie's writing. And I'm kind of curious for both of you what it feels like to in 2014 or in 2013 when as Julie just sort of identified a rough timeline for when this became its own genre in a really meaningful way. To 2018 and writing the stuff you're writing now, what what's changed over the last few years? Because obviously culturally, the the Time's Up movement, the Me Too movement, the impact of, um, of what that has done to the culture at large is something that Julie and I talked about a lot when I first came into uh, this partnership with her, um, not just because uh, I'm a guy and she's a woman, but also because I'm a guy, she's a woman and the kind of books she writes. Um, so has the way that you write or the way that you approach the subjects that you approach changed in these intervening years?
2: No, not at all. I I continue to write what I want to write. I don't have um, boundaries, specifically. But I think it's important that books are categorized appropriately. So if you are writing a dark romance that has sensitive topics, it should be categorized as such. Um, I'm not talking about disclaimers necessarily, but just in the way that you brand your books and the way they look, um, the way they're titled, there's a lot of things you can do to say, hey, this book is not your fluffy mainstream book that's going to, you know, where the hero is going to ask permission to have sex with the heroine. That's that's not what this book is. So I think you can market it and brand it appropriately, get it categorized correctly. If the book is um, really, really dark that doesn't necessarily end in an HEA, like a happily ever after. It should not be categorized as a dark romance. It should be probably horror. There are a lot of books out there.
1: Are you know what that's called these days? Dark fantasy. It, they have a well. They call that dark fantasy now.
2: Okay. Well, you know, it's not romance if it's not right. 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 If dad is having sex with his daughter, and it's being romanticized. Fine. The author can write whatever they want. I, I applaud it. Just don't put it in a romance category. Don't romanticize it. Right.
0: So uh, I curious, you, you, Roth can write anything. They want you applaud it. So in your mind, uh, is there anything that's off limits?
2: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. It's, it's creative freedom, Write What you want to write. Just, just, you know, beware of the reviews that you're going to get back and the, and the, you know, reaction, if you're looking, you know, if you're trying to shock people, you'll shock them and you'll get that reaction. Just don't be surprised when it happens. Don't be surprised if you get banned <laughs> there. I mean, but I, I, I do not, I'm not a proponent of banned books. I feel like anyone should be able to write anything they want. It should just be categorized appropriately. So yeah, let's talk
1: about this Amazon banning because it's not really banning. Amazon's just saying you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna sell it on our platform. I mean, you could sell it somewhere else if you want. And they only do it for eBooks. They don't do it for paperbacks, which is interesting. And um, mostly... It's either straight incest or a rape scene that is not a fantasy and is not clear. Um, but I will say this has changed in, in what Amazon views as acceptable since 2013, 2014, is that dubious consent, we call it dubcom, um, Dubcon in romance. That was a thing. Back then, right? Like that was you put that in your in your description. This is a dubcon, yep. and people knew exactly what it was. And then that does not happen no. anymore. Like that, you cannot do no. that anymore. So that is what Yeah, you are you are banned from Amazon if you have a dubcon, and and so I think that has really changed a lot in the last just three four years.
2: Yeah, it, it's changed. Um, the way people do covers, you know, the covers that they put on their books, you know, the bondage type covers, I still do them carefully. um, But it does change because Amazon will also ban on covers and blurbs. Um, Just people stop putting disclaimers in because it was a flag to the retailers to say, hey, I've got Dubcom in my book, so ban me. (laughs) Um, It has
1: yeah, yeah. You used to be able to say that, though. You used
2: to be say, this is a Dubcon.
1: And people would be like, oh, good. That's what I'm looking for. Because there is a huge, not a huge, but there is a fair market for that in the romance right. genre.
2: And there still is. You just, they just, the readers know to look for different things now, not for that, for that exact term. Amazon just added it to their keyword search of things to block. So can't use
0: it. So like, so is the distinction then... And again, like it's funny, you guys are operating at a level of, of, you're able to converse at a level that I'm still ramping up to. So, um, so forgive me if I'm asking dumb questions. So in your, or actually you kind of just said it, Pam, that the principal distinction between something that is a romance and identifiable as such and something other than is, is it ostensibly the happily ever after? Is it, is it as simple as that? Or is there more to it than that?
2: Um, well, I mean, the romance is a romantic plot. The, the, the main plot is between two people or three people, however many it's, it's, a, it's the romantic relationship. That is the plot. There could be other, you know, subplots happening in the background. But the main plot is the romance, and it does have to end in Happily Ever After. Now, this is the traditional publishing definition of romance. Um, I feel like indie is kind of – it's evolved through the indie publishing world a little bit differently. Not everybody – considers a romance, a happily, ever, a happily ever after has to be in romance. Um, but I do, I'm a firm believer of that. I think a, a romance reader is is looking for a relationship that ends happy, that ends in a happily ever after.
0: And so do you feel like knowing that you're, I'm curious if you feel like knowing that you're working in that direction liberates you even more to go dark On the path there because you know it's going to resolve in light. Do you feel like you can go as dark as you want to go because you know in the end it's going to get there to the happy place?
2: Um, Not necessarily because if you go too dark, if you make make the hero or the heroine too villainous and you can't redeem them and the reader's not rooting for their happily ever after, then even if you give them one, it doesn't feel like happily ever after does that make sense you want the reader to root for this villain or this anti-hero you want the reader to have to want that villain to have a happily ever after and if you can't produce that that desire in the reader you're failing anyway even if you just you know draw it up at the end does that make sense
1: yeah and the reader the readers respond to that because they just you know the the if they if everybody buys it they just won't like it you know Or they just won't buy it.
2: Right.
0: You know, I'm very, I'm (laughs) reminded, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Julie. I'm reminded of before I met my wife, I, um, I was with a woman, uh, South African woman, uh, who, uh, was new to the country. And, um, we were at some event or something and someone got a little handsy. And I, I got into it with the guy and like, whatever it's, it's, it was a dick measuring contest and who gives a shit. But, uh, the upshot was I won. So fuck him. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, and we were leaving the event and I remember her saying, and I was, and I was like, I'm sorry. That was such, such macho bullshit. And I feel like such an asshole. She goes, no, 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 no. She goes, don't you understand? I was like, don't understand what she's like, every woman wants to, uh, Uh, be in a relationship with the good boy, someone they can trust and take care, but they want to be with the bad boy. And you're both. And I was like, oh, well, all right. Well, good for me.
1: You know what's funny, Jonathan? I think you said that to me early, early on, right? You said, "I'm, I'm like the good guy, the bad guy at the same time. And now that I know you pretty well, I think you absolutely are that
0: guy. Well, it, well, maybe. But what's interesting about it was that thanks, Julie. But what's interesting <laughs> about it is that that I think you know at that and at that point, I mean, I was like, I mean, I was I was a grown up. I was in my early thirties. But it was the first time that I had sort of processed that mentally, and it answered for me the question that I had always had in high school of why do all these assholes get all the
1: girls? Right? Yeah, right? it's true. They do. They love the bad boy, but hands right in a story they gotta have something about them that draws the reader to love them right? right
2: yeah i mean we love the bad boys but we want them to be good when they need to be good they here's the thing
1: we love the bad boy he could be bad to anybody else he wants but not to the girl he loves right right
0: unless he's bad with. well now, okay <laughs> let me let me But let me interject because I have now, I've worked with Julie for over a year and a half and I've now narrated two of Pam's books. That from just a guy's perspective, that doesn't always feel like what you guys are writing. Like sometimes the guys definitely, and I don't think this is wrong, right? What I appreciate about both of you, frankly, in the way that you write guys is that they're real people, right? They're complicated people who are nuanced and have... They're not just alphas. They're not just whatever. They're actually, they have feelings. And sometimes those feelings can lead them to behave like assholes, even with the woman that they love because of their emotions. Um, So I hear what you're saying, Julie, but I do think that from an authenticity standpoint, what I appreciate in the work that both of you guys create is that the guys aren't just this or that. Good or bad, nice to the girl or mean whatever, that there is a level of complexity there that I think is the reason that everything Pam, you're saying is is workable because if it's clumsy and it's hand-fisted and it's executed in a two-dimensional or cardboard way, you're not going to care. Like I, everything you're saying is true, but it has to be fully realized in a yeah. real person.
1: I agree. And I think the, the secret sauce to dark romance is the journey that they go on together. So, of course, he's an asshole yep. in the beginning. But by the end, that guy and that girl, he would do anything for her. Right. And that, that is transformation.
2: the transformation that transformation is so important.
1: One hundred percent the secret of dark romance.
2: You don't want him to lose all of that personality and assholishness that he had in the beginning. You still want that at the end because otherwise he'd be end up a different character. So he's always going to be the same guy, but he has this kind of enlightenment through the story alongside her. And I think it has
1: a lot to do with loyalty. So like, he's loyal. There's just something about that when somebody is totally loyal to you, you know, that I think readers love that in a
2: romance. She's number one in his world. That's it.
0: So Pam, something I wanted to ask you is at least in the I'm not familiar with your whole canon, but in the couple of books of yours that I've read, the theme seems to be certainly about the guy, Emmerich, for example, in uh, Dark Notes is very, well, he's literally an educator, but then also he is an educator for her in the world. And in Nodded, they're which by the way I've had a couple of uh couple of readers reach out to me through social media directly uh there are hand, there are people out there especially in the the group that Julie and I uh you know administer that know that I am my pseudonym okay. they, they know that Jonathan is the voice of the thing so they've reached out and they've said like oh my god you've gotten some great compliments privately but I'm listening to nodded by Pam God I love it so much and da, da, da. was it tough for you to narrate that first chapter <laughs> Because it was so right out of the gate, right? Because I don't want to right. spoil it for anybody. Else, but yeah, but right out of the gate, it gets really dark, really fast, and um, and so the journey seems to be about the guys helping the one, wom- the women in these books find their way back to themselves. And in both of these instances, these are young women also, like graduating into adulthood over the course of the books as well. I guess my question is. Does that feel, is that a recurrent theme in a lot of your work or? It's actually not. You
2: just happened to narrate the two books that that happened in, (laughs) Uh, but, but even there, even then in those situations, I, I like to focus on the, the heroine's empowerment from the situation. So I like to do a little, a lot of really bad things to my characters, as you've uh, found out. And the reason I like to do that is because I, I love to write the survivor. So how, you know, the journey out of, out of this horrible situation and this tragedy and the darkest moments of that person's, you know, the character's life and then how they survive out of it. And I love to write, to write women in those situations because it's, it, it just feels so empowering to do that, to write a woman rise up out of the ashes and become the person that she was meant to be. So so that is a reoccurring theme in my books. At least I try to make it. I mean, that's like my focus.
1: I think that that is also another secret it is. to dark romance: totally is. is to have the kick-ass yep. heroine um, who can who can handle this kind of guy, right? Right. Because you don't want to pair him with some little meek, damsel mousy, in distress, you know, right? It, yeah, exactly. Right. He doesn't need a girl like that. So you got to, if you have, if you pair them up in the right way, it just works. Yep.
0: Do you? Uh, I know that Julie. I'm going to ask you in public, Julie, and this is a loaded, this is a freighted question. But um, Pam, do you consider yourself a feminist?
2: You know, I, I don't like I don't like to put a label on it. I guess I tilt that way a lot. Um, but I, I, I do I've never called myself that I've been called that and, and I, it makes me smile, <laughs> but I, no, I, it's, it, it's sure. not, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's like politics or religion or anything else. I'm just all over the place. I, I believe what I believe without really having specific labels on anything. So I don't know. Sure. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Julie.
1: I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I don't think it needs to have a label and I'm not a group joiner. Right. So I'm not going to, and I'm not going to join anybody's group, no matter what their cause is. I'm just, I can support it, but I'm not going to call myself something like that. Cause that's, I just, I'm not yep. into it.
0: It's interesting because, I don't know if you know, Pam, Julie and I have been walking around uh, a project of hers that I am pitching to various uh, TV uh, networks to, to turn into a series. And uh, and uh, it's come up repeatedly in the room. Um, so is she a feminist? Is this, what, What's the point of view of this? Is it a feminist message? Is it a whatever? And I, I <laughs> typically am like, I, I've come to the answer I've <laughs> arrived at is that, the answer I've arrived at is that romance is fundamentally feminist by definition, because it is by women, for women, about women. And the interesting thing for me, being a man writing it, has become uh, has become this this need that I have to defend it as such. Right. And to make sure that I am being thoughtful of it in a non sort of interloper way. So I, it's, it's funny because there is such a, a precise perspective on it in the Hollywood culture, obviously, for a lot of reasons. And, uh, and I think that what I've come to over the last 18 months is that what you guys are talking about feels on some level to me, like a more authentic version of what being pro-woman means, as opposed to being something that is, I hate this phrase, but I, but I understand that why people use it, that is virtue signaling, right? Like a lot of people will walk around and signal their virtue vis-a-vis their declaration that they are pro-woman or that they are pro-whatever. Um Whereas Julian and talking to you, Pam, it's just like, no, I know who I am. And I, I feel fine about that. And so I don't feel my question to you earlier, is there anything that's off limits? And you were like, no, if you're just writing something that you feel truthful and honest about, that's fine with me. I think that's, I think that's sort of the epitome of self-possession. And I, I guess, I guess if there's a question in there, it's, do you feel more or less that way since becoming writers of this material? Or do you feel like both of you were always sort of situated this way inside of your own brains? And this is just the verbal or sort of the uh, the written expression of your worldview?
2: Um, it's the latter for me. I, I, yeah, I mean, I haven't changed when I started out 10 years ago. I haven't changed my thought process. This is all been about starting, you know, it started out with me channeling what I wanted, what I wanted to see, what I love, my passions. And it is still that way today um, to put a label on anything on who I am. It's, it, it feels very narrow-minded because once you put a label on something, you become that thing and nothing else. And, and that's just way too narrow-minded for me. So that's my answer mm-hmm. on that.
1: I, I agree. And I think the, the reason I don't like to join groups or do the label thing is because then I feel like I'm not free to change my mind or disagree right. And um, I reserve the right to step aside and say no at any point. Like you know, I don't think I agree with everything in the feminist right, movement. Exactly. I probably agree with most of it, but if I subscribe to that label, then I feel like I have
0: to. You know. Pam, do you have what? What's your interaction like with your readers? Did your direct interaction?
2: I do a lot of book signings. Um, I I try to get around the country um, at least probably eight to 12 times a year. So I meet people in person in various parts, like small towns, big cities, wherever. That's where I get the most of my interaction. I love that face-to-face. I'm old school. I mean, I, I started out with Goodreads. I mean, that's where I met a lot of readers before I even started writing. That's where my support group started was Goodreads is like the Facebook for readers. I still love Goodreads.
0: Do you, do you have your readers? Cause I know Julie does. Do you have your readers who say to you, thank you so much for writing this because this is something that needs to be said, something that I identify. Do you get a lot of that? Yeah,
2: yeah, I do. Especially since I, um, touch on rape so often in so many of my books, I get a lot of readers who, um, contact me and, and tell me their story, you know, a story that they can relate to through the book. And, it's always, a, it's always a happy, you know, if, if I've offended anyone, I haven't actually heard that, and I'm sure it's out there, but um, it's those personal stories where somebody reaches out to me and explains, you know, this a similar situation happened, and they saw how the heroine was uh, empowered by it afterwards, and, you know, she, she continued on and survived, and it's helped them through their own personal story. I love those. I love that. It's, it's, a, it's a great feeling to be able to touch somebody that way.
0: Did, did, is, is rape a, a recurrent um, device, plot device?
2: It, in my books. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, I have written books that doesn't have it, but I write a lot of non-consensual, a lot of dubcon, um, because I, I feel like it makes, it puts in, it, and it's not just with women. I've had men raped in my books. I have had women villains who rape men um, or, you know, capture them, torture them, whatever. I, I I use all different types of depravity. <laughs> but I, I, I like what happens to the character when they come out of that. That's what I like to write. So it's not necessarily me focusing on the brutality and the tragedy more than I focus on the surviving, you know, what happens during the survival after it. When a woman is raped and put in that situation, in my mind, okay, it's, I, it's never happened to me, but in my mind, it's like I feel like it would be like the most tragic, most vulnerable point in her life for something like that to happen to her, and the psychology that happens behind that, I'm, it, it, it's, I, I, I just love to dig into that and write the survivor that comes out of it. If that, if that helps explain
0: does it cost you anything i be i mean is there ever been a point where you're writing where you're where you have to step back and go ooh that was tough because i mean the questions i've gotten <laughs> god was it tough for you to narrate that first chapter of nodded y- yeah. yes is yeah. the answer right because yeah. because i oh well you know I, I owe it to the material to give it my all and if i'm giving it my all i got to sink into it and if i sink into it it hurts a little bit does oh, it cost absolutely. you anything or yeah are you no i attach? when i'm
2: writing in deep into it it is it is um emotionally draining. And um, it does affect me like outside of writing, like my my whole attitude and mood and everything is affected by it. I have the series, the the Deliver series, and it's um, human sex trafficking. It is It is brutal, very brutal, dark series. There's nine books total. I'm not finished with it. I have only been able to write one book a year in that series because when I write one, I have to step away from it and write a bunch of other books. And then I come back to the next, you know, so it's, it's been that way since I started this series back in I don't know 2013 or whatever it was. So
0: now you're you're married, you have a couple of kids, right?
2: I do. Uh-huh. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Aww. Oh <laughs> I I met him when I was 16. I was just so innocent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about this. Um do, the, So so when you talk about it affecting your your broader world, like does how do you keep it out of your your home life and how do you keep it away from your kids, especially? I'm just, I don't know that that.
2: I really do a good job at that. I kind of suck. I don't know. I, you know, once I'm like, (laughs) well, my kids are in high school now, so it's better, (laughs) but they know, they know what mom's writing. Mom comes out and her hair's all pulled up in different directions. And she's looking really, really <laughs> tired right now. If I talk to her, she's probably gonna bite my head <laughs> off. I'm just gonna leave her alone for a couple days. I mean, that's how my family has adjusted to me in this writing thing and especially the dark stuff. Or when I come out and I'm crying because I always make myself cry when I'm writing it silly. <laughs>
0: that's lovely. Uh, do you, do you, do, I know, I, I love it. I mean, look, Julie and I talk about this uh, a lot. It's, I mean, I- Julie is a scientist. Julie has called herself um, Spock Love and it. me Kirk, Love right? It. Yeah. And it's true because <laughs> I am. I'm like, let's go and get into I mean, I'm an artist to the bone. So I, I empathize with everything that you're saying. Um, I've had to stop recording for both of your books, actually, uh, and others as well, but certainly both of yours. I've had to actually stop recording books on occasion because I, like, the director will be like, no, I think it's great that you're so emotional, but they're not paying to hear you <laughs> sob. Uh, so please yeah, stop yeah. crying. Um, do you do you like have safeguards in place now? Do you think like, OK, as soon as I finish this thing that I know is going to be hard, I'm going to go to the beach or I'm going to, you know, do you have things that you do to distance and keep yourself? Not balanced? really.
2: No, I mean, I drink. <laughs> Does that count?
0: <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. That'll sort you right out.
1: Well, I'm glad you said that because I'm I'm sitting here thinking, God, I don't think about any of this shit. Like at all, like I have, um, like when I step away from my, from my computer, like, I don't even think about that again until the next day. Wow. That's even if it's a tough, even if it's a tough scene, like I'll, it it will be hard and I will be tired, but yeah, I just, I don't even think about it anymore. Wow. That's
2: great. That's a superpower.
0: It is a super fucking power. It is the reason that our partnership works. I've talked about this a bunch, but like, uh, Julie is able to bring the temperature down on a conflict, like faster than anybody that I've ever met. And similarly, that extends over into her ability to like pour it in and then turn around and be like, what's for lunch? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really something. I guess like I'm like Dustin Hoffman and she's like Laurence <laughs> Olivier. You, you guys can all look that up on the internet. If you I
1: feel to. a little abnormal right now. I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking, God, I'm like a, this cold, non-feeling person because like none of this affects me. Um, because most of it, I can only think of one book where it really did affect me. And that was my probably the darkest book I ever wrote was Meet Me in the Dark. And there was a lot of violence in there. But my heroine was so kick-ass. Like, she just beat the shit out of him in this one scene. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's what you get, motherfucker. You know, and it's like, so I never think about it much after that book.
0: Well, this is interesting. Something I want to ask you, Pam, is Julie talks a lot about living inside of all the characters. Like, she doesn't identify with the woman or the man or the who or the, the hero or the villain or whatever. She identifies with all of them equally. Um, which may be a part and parcel of what she's talking about. Do you do that too? Or do you see yourself as the heroine or as the hero? Through whose eyes do you see um, when you're whatever writing? Whatever
2: point of view that I'm writing. So if I, I, I mostly write in dual point of view. So I will identify with both points of view. Um, I have books where it's just one point of view. And so then, yeah, it's just the heroine. So I guess it just depends on the story and the characters.
0: Do you always write first person?
2: No, no. I half my books are third person. I prefer third person. I think it's more challenging to write.
0: J- Julie, I want you, I want you to talk to Pam about this. I'm super curious to hear how this conversation goes.
2: Oh no! Hey, if
1: you want to write a third person, we can.
0: But you've just—it's been interesting. You've felt I not resistant, but it's not been something that you've raced into. Well, drive. I don't want to.
2: I don't want to. It's more challenging. It definitely is more challenging. But you know, Brad, right, if you do it and do it really well, your readers won't even know. I mean, they won't even notice if, I mean, that's the point, right? I agree with that. And you could totally do it. I do agree with that, but
1: I have a voice and it's in first person. Have you tried
2: writing in third person, just like a scene or a chapter?
1: Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, I do some third person in the books, like the one I just finished um, you know, in a flashback, I'll do some some past tense. and But mostly, I'm just interested in first-person present. It makes me weird, maybe.
2: No. I, I mean, if you read romance, most of them are written in first-person present.
1: I don't read romance, but... Um, well, that it is. It's
2: true. <laughs> Especially in the indie, read, in indie publishing. I read science fiction. Yeah. Most of them are, but it's also
1: true in my reading preferences that if it's a third person book, they better be
2: kick-ass because I'll put it, it better down. Be, you mean it better a be like written really, really well, like where you don't even notice, right? Yeah. Those people, right. Yeah, no head hopping, things like that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You can really screw it up.
0: I made Julie recently read, uh, made, I asked her to, and she graciously said she would read a, um, uh, a piece of classic literary fiction that she had never read. And, uh, she, I remember she responded by going like, yeah, it was fine. I like your writing better. And <laughs> that I was, was just a like, compliment. wow, you, you really like, that was a great compliment. Was
1: that a catcher in the rye?
0: Yes, it was catcher in the rye. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh,
1: but he was first person, wasn't he?
0: He was first person, but that's what I found really interesting about it. I, I I think that I thought that you would love it because of that, but it's also become clear to me that you just sort of are very clear on what you like and what you don't like. And you get to those places very quickly and that finds its way into your writing too. So I, both of you can talk about when you have started something like Pam, have you started something and gotten into it and been like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't happening and then scrapped it.
2: Um, no, I have not. Um, I plot, everything. So I have super outlines and I outline down to the chapters before I even start writing. So if it, if it's made it through my outline process, it's getting written.
0: Right. Got it. Julie, how do you write?
2: (laughs) You know how I write because I make (laughs) you write it.
1: Um, No, I plot out basic plot points. I usually know the, I mean, I always know the end. I usually know the crisis at least have an idea. And I always have a hook and a turning point. But other than that, I just let it go. But this last summer, I will say, um, I did throw away a bunch of first chapters that I started. And I was like, no, no not not going to do it. Maybe I'll go back to them later. But I just didn't feel like it at the moment.
2: So did you throw away the whole story idea, like the whole premise, or did you just evolve it into another story? Yes,
1: Nope those idea those ideas were just not ones I I just decided nope I I want to do something else so they're still there yeah
0: Julie Huss is an idea factory <laughs> I truly I I've been doing this for thirty years in one form or another I've acting or writing and I've never and I mean this and I like Julie knows she's met some I have friends who are Academy Award winners I have friends who are the most creative successful people I've never literally met anyone whose brain comes up with fresh ideas as fast as hers. And so that's why I was curious uh, to hear from you, Pam, writing at the pace that this genre demands, right? Um, do you feel like you have to constantly be thinking of a new idea or do you just let that inspiration hit you um, as it hits you? I
2: have always had ideas. I have more ideas than I have years left in my life. So, I mean, I, I think... I think, I, mo- I think most authors are that way though. They're always thinking about the next thing the next, the next site, you know, you watch or you see people or any interaction sparks or inspires another story idea.
0: Do you work on anything else concurrently that's not romance? Like do you have some sort of long simmering pet project in the back of your mind that you're yes, constantly tinkering I with? I do
2: have non-romance ideas that are outlined for someday. Someday. Yep. Yeah.
0: Someday. Yeah. For someday. I think all three of us are saying someday. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie Julie and I just talked about this recently. Um, To which, to which end, you know, Julie and I just took on an experiment over the summer for the first time ever. We've talked about this a couple of times, but for the first time ever, Julie wrote a rom-com because we wrote a rom-com together because that particular sensibility is something because I've played the romantic lead and like. TV shows and movies and stuff so many times. I'm like, I know what this is like. So it was just sort of easy to fall into. And what was, I think, you know, unknown was how would the, not new fans, new fans will discover new work, right? New readers will discover new books. The existing readership, how would they respond to this sort of uh, deviation from the norm? Have you Do you have anything that occupies a deviation from the norm for you or have you entertained it um
2: i have paranormal books an entire paranormal series it's like post-apocalyptic very very strange speculative weird erotic stuff not normal at all um i have not had a lot of crossover my dedicated super you know you always have those super dedicated fans that will read anything you write they've read it um but no i don't it's you know it's crossover is hard and anytime you deviate from kind of your main branding, it's it's a hard sell. But rom com, I mean, Julie, did you have? Did, you, did you, first of all, did you enjoy writing rom com? Was it really hard for you, or easier for you than dark romance?
1: Um, uh, harder, to easy. Write. I think harder? probably harder than dark. Yeah, to probably harder to write. But to help, Jonathan with was the there. I mean, it was just a. Yeah, it was a really pleasant, fun experience to write those books and not have me make it dark and right. twisty at the end, because I've tried to write a couple of rom-coms and they just don't turn out that way. Um,
0: and I think let's be clear too, right? Like The first person uh, perspective in these books is, well, hell, and everything that we do together is is really useful. Because then it becomes very clear. If we were writing in a third-person voice, that unifying voice would be probably something we'd have to work to find. I mean, it's much easier because, you know, I can take a chapter in whatever direction with the character that I'm writing in that chapter, and then Julie picks it up and we hand the baton off, and then it sort of tumbles over itself. And so from a comedy standpoint, that really is, is easy. Um, Pam, you're fantastic uh yeah this is
2: great thank you so are you guys and
0: we could do this forever we like to end uh, but we won't because you know because people only want to listen for so long um we like to end uh with 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 a question that julie has for you that i think is an appropriate one um that uh that we like to end all of these with so julie you want to ask
1: yeah so i have one question i want to uh, know from everybody that we interview and it is this if you knew then what you know now, what would you have done differently?
2: Are we talking book related? Like like writing related anything? Anything in the anything in your anything in your writing sphere? I would say marketing. It's just it's such a lame answer, but truly I did not start marketing until about a year ago and I feel like I just I just screwed myself like not just getting, just getting my books out there. Like I was, I think I went into this with a little bit of like a arrogant kind of thought that I'm just going to write the books and people will read them and everybody will discover it and it'll be great. I don't need to do any kind of advertising. And that's just so, that was really naive and just really arrogant, really stupid. And I wish that I would have figured that out when I started 10 years ago.
0: Did you, did you have, because and I, this is, from a place of empathy if you did and the only reason that I haven't fallen (laughs) uh victim to the failing of this is because I attached to a partner who knows better um I had the very much the no I yeah I'm gonna write what I write and I'll put it out there and people will find it there and it's my art and they'll find and fuck them if they don't and it's all fine and good and Julie had to be like no no it's a business
2: (laughs) right that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's, it's going from being a person who is doing a hobby to being a business person. Right. And it took me a long time to make that transition. Even though I was already doing it, it just took mentally, took me a long time to get there. Too long.
0: Well, let me say that it's obviously working out. And that also uh, part of the reason that I personally wanted to have you on is because, uh, you know, I've narrated a lot of books now. I've I've worked a long time and you don't often... You don't always find uh, material that feels like it resonates and is thoughtfully crafted and so forth. Um, and uh, I think uh, you're a really good writer, Pam. And it's a real it was a real pleasure I can say honestly for me to Aww. get a chance to interpret your work um, truly. And wow, uh,
2: thank you, that means a lot.
0: And so hopefully, thank you know, you. hopefully people will will hopefully now that you know, if you need any tips on marketing, uh, I, I I, happen to know <laughs> <who's> a world class <laughs> expert. Um, but, but while we have you here, why don't you talk about what you have planned for 2019 so people can be on the lookout for it?
2: Okay. First off, Jonathan, thank you for narrating my books, Notted and Dark Notes. You did a fantastic job. And if I haven't like appropriately thanked you, I'm thanking you now. Is You just blew me away. I actually don't like listening to audio books of my own. And when I listened to Dark Notes, you made me cry. So that's, that's huge. And I, I actually sound like a crier. I'm really not a crier. (laughs) I'm not, but you, but you did, you made me cry. Um, so to answer your question, what I'm working on next is my, I'm still writing my deliver series. So that's that one that's the human sex trafficking series that I kind of have to step away from every time I finish one of those books. So I'm on book five and there's nine books total. So that's, that's kind of hanging on me. I need to finish that series. So that's what, that's what you'll get from me a whole lot next. All right. Yeah. You are gonna wrap that up. I got a whole lot of sex
0: trafficking coming our way.
2: (laughs) I got a lot of sex, got a lot of really bad, awful gut wrenching scenes to write. (laughs) Pray for me. (laughs)
0: And where can people, where can people find you on the internet if they're not at a convention to see you in person?
2: Um, everywhere, you know, all social media sites, I have a website, um, I don't have a newsletter. I'm actually like the one author in the world that doesn't have a newsletter. But you can find me everywhere else.
0: What are what are what are your what are your social media handles?
2: It's Pam Godwin Books on Facebook. Um, I think it's Pam Godwin Author. Pam Godwin Books on most of the social media sites. So Instagram, Twitter, it's all Pam Godwin Author. Facebook is Pam Godwin Books.
0: Cool.
2: Yeah, it was great.
1: Great to have you, Pam, and Thank great so interview. Thank you. Thank
2: you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Pam Godwin. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. And please remember to check out her new audio book, Vanquish, uh, available for pre-order now on Audible. Um, If you are a new listener to this podcast, please go to our website, lovenotespodcast.com. That's lovenotespodcast.com and click subscribe. Uh, If you are a continuing listener, if we have been with you and in your ears before, welcome back. Thank you so much. Uh, Remember that a new episode uh, releases every two weeks. So two weeks from today, we will have uh, another conversation. This time we will be discussing uh, a variety of things with Trisha Wolf. who, uh, yeah, she was awesome. She was awesome. And we are excited for you to hear everything that we chatted about with her so uh as ever thank you for listening thank you for supporting us thank you for being a part of this adventure that we're on and um this is our little love note to you bye everybody
1: bye everybody and don't forget to pick up the dirty ones by that awesome author J. A. huss because it's on sale this week
0: (laughs) (laughs) fucking subtle Love Notes is produced by Emily Dur, J.A. Huss, and me. Executive producer is Oh My Audiobooks, an imprint of Podium Publishing. Editing by Troy Odie. Our theme song and music is by Brandon Costello. Pow chicka pow pow. Special thanks to everyone who has been with us and continues to stay with us. We appreciate it more than we can say. And finally, the art on our website was made by Julie A. Huss please check it out at lovenotespodcast.com. That is lovenotespodcast.com. Support for Love Notes comes from Oh My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours.